All right, guys, uh, today we've got a great guest. Uh, he's legendary. So you could say he's one of the legendary trainers from a, uh, a host of professional athletes. He's been doing this for several decades. I, I don't exactly know how many decades, but as far as I could glean, you've been doing this all the way back uh, to the from the 80s. Uh, Tim Grover, thank you very much for coming on the show. I definitely appreciate you showing up. And for context, I think it's super important. Can we start with just a short bio for everybody? So I'm not going to misrepresent anything. I like to just have everybody do it themselves. Uh, and that way we can, we can get into it because I got a laundry list of questions here uh, about your books, about what you've done in your past, what directly contributes to success, what is success. So I'm stoked. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, it's simple. I, I won't get long into the bio because listen, I don't, this isn't about, I'm not an individual who likes to talk about self. Right. I like to give value to whoever I'm on, whoever I'm, ta- whoever I'm talking to. Name is Tim Grover. Um, I've trained professional athletes. Michael Jordan was my first professional client going all the way back into 1989. Um, I've trained athletes in all different uh, sports different businesses and so forth. Michael Jordan is obviously my biggest name, but I Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, uh, currently doing a bunch of consulting with different professional organizations in all, all variety of sports. I have a master's degree in exercise science. I played college basketball. I was inducted into the Hall of Fame. I've written numerous bestseller, uh, best-selling books. The first one was Relentless, From Good to Great to Unstoppable. And the current one is Winning the Unforgiving Race to Greatness. And I'm all about winning. That, yeah. That's that's what my mindset is all about winning. So my first question has nothing to do with, I, I want to touch on Michael Jordan and that story because I think it's incredible how you sent out, was it 14 letters? Yes, and... you did. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll so, get into that. I, I'll ask you about the 14 letters here in a minute. My My first question I want to open up with is, is today in today's society, it seems to be there's almost a contra information out there that winning is sometimes bad or teaching uh, confidence with, I would say, uh, compassionate um, sportsmanship, being competitive. There's almost a narrative out there that I've, I've heard from parents. I've got a three-year-old and a seven-year-old, which is winning is bad. Have you heard this, or is this just me? Am I, I, living I on have. A- <laughs> I've, I've heard. I have heard this. I've seen it. I, yeah. no, I don't understand it. Right. Uh, I, I don't get. I don't get it. Uh, we always we're taught to compete. We're taught to. We're taught to win. We learn. You know. We're, we're also. We know that losing is a part of a part of winning, right. and that in order to understand winning, you have you have to lose. So this thing that's going on now, where you get rewarded for participating and getting acknowledged for doing the things that you're supposed to, that you're supposed to do. I, I don't understand. You know, at the beginning of the show, you said, you know, thank, thank you for, you know, thank you for showing up. Well, you know, it's one of the cliches that out there that people always go with and say, oh, you know what? Showing up is half the battle. No, showing up is none of the battle. It's none of the battle. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't get it, but that's a society now where we want to, we want to get, we want to get noticed 
and get a pat on back for things that we're, that we're supposed to do. And I, I've, not, I've never understood that, you know? You're supposed to compete. You're supposed to win. You're supposed to get better. You're supposed to elevate uh, your teammates. You're supposed to tell the truth. You know, if somebody does something, if somebody if somebody does something wrong, you're supposed to let them know about it. I, I don't I, I don't get it where everything is just so passive now, and you just let everything just go by go by the wayside. It's it, it's very it's very different. It's very different. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it. You know, you said you have a three, a three and a seven year old, you know, and I'm sure they're in, in some kind of in, in competitive endeavors, sports, whatever it may yeah. be. It's funny now you'll go to these, you'll go to these things and a lot of places they don't keep score. Right. All right. And the participation trophies yeah. are bigger than the trophies for winning. So you're telling people that you're going to get rewarded just for participating. You don't get rewarded in life just for participating. If you just participate, that puts you in a pile with everybody else, which I, I've known as mediocrity and being average. Right. It, you know, aren't, aren't the individuals, you know, it's funny, everybody, everybody wants, everybody wants to fit into a group, but the people we admire the most are the ones that stand out. And who stands out? The people that win, the people that speak the truth, the people that speak their mind. But, and I guess that's my question. From your perspective, when, when we have kind of a, a trend within American society to, to reward everybody for participating, and there's almost a, a narrative where the winners are, are villainized in some circumstance, right? They don't want winners or losers because of negative psychology. I look at that and I have a perspective as to, no, you just have to teach, I, I think, a, a competitive behaviors that allow people to lose and then directly evolve. So both have to benefit from winning and losing in the spirit of competition. So I, I love to compete. Like my, I compete with my best friends. Like I love like anything and everything. Like we'll compete over anything and everything. And I don't think it's made us, it's actually made us better friends. <laughs> like, Culture, so, yes. Yeah. And you know what you're dealing with. You know what you're dealing with that individual. And the people that hang around you are the people that you want to, that that are attracted to the way you think, that are that are attracted to your your behavior. Where you don't have to explain this competitiveness to to uh, to them. It, it, it's it's a part of you. It's a part of your society. It's a part of your group. It's a part of how you win. It's a part of how you relate to individuals. And it's funny you start you're trying, you're finding less and less people that that want to do that because that group is starting to get smaller and smaller and smaller because what happens when you when you compete when you compete you want to win right you want to win you know there are people that just compete just to finish you know they're sure. like oh I'm just I'm just going to do that and there's other people that compete to win. And they only win at something one time. And then you have people that win at winning. And those are the individuals that, like you said, like you said, they compete at they compete at everything. Not in a way to show off. It's just who they, it's just who they are. It's just who they are. Yeah. And, and that leads me into the next piece, which is the people that you've been, uh, and I'll get into the difference between, I think, uh, training and working out, but the people that you've been working with over the course of your career, their mentalities and the things that you've directly seen contributing to their overall physical performance and mental health, 
if you, it, it, you've kind of answered this and you know, the, the three different types that you've outlined and the individuals, but the characteristics that people have to get themselves up, you know, go to work every day, prioritize their efforts and really seek winning. Uh, how many traits have you outlined and kind of seen over the last several decades that you can, you can identify and you've talked about? Kind of explain those for me. Well, you know what you you see it in individuals. These are traits that we all that we all have, right? What we we decide we decide as either we decide or somebody else decides for us that these these aren't these aren't good traits. These aren't traits that they're not friendly traits. They're not acceptable traits. They're not acceptable trait traits anymore. You know you have you know it's like you know you don't. You're not supposed to glorify your. You're not supposed to glorify your wins. You're not supposed to celebrate your wins. You know, you're, uh, you're supposed to uh, when you when you compete. You're not. You, you compete with. How can I describe this? Um, you compete with a soft heart. All right, instead of going out there and just giving everything that you have. And it's funny, for the individuals I've worked with. When you tell them to describe winning, when you tell them to describe competitiveness to them, their answers are completely different. You know, they understand that, listen, winning and competing is hard. They understand it's nasty. They understand it's unpolished. They understand it's dirty. They understand it's rough. They understand it's unforgiving. It's unapologetic. It's all these things that we're not, you know, we don't want hard anymore. We don't yeah. want nasty. We want everything polished for us. We want everything clean. We don't want it rough. We want to have it everything easy. I mean, look at the training that you did yourself and that you taught to other, other individuals. The, that language of winning is, is everything we describe. It's the characteristics of what you have to do. It was hard. It was nasty. It was dirty. It was rough. It was unforgiving. I'm sure your instructors were not apologetic at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Right? Nothing. But what happened when you won? Winning was everything. It was, it was everything. And it wasn't about, you know, you weren't looking for the glory or the payday. That's what everybody's looking for now. And they have to understand the characteristics that these individuals have. It's not about the glory and the payday. It's about the obstacles and the challenges and the pain you go through to get to the payday, to get to that win, to get to compete. Those, those sensations and feelings you get when you're in that race to get those things. That's the characteristics these individuals enjoy the most. That what excites them. That's what lights their fire over and over again. Hey, you talk a lot, or you've talked about the the cleaner, right? Having the cleaner mentality. Uh, explain what that means, because I love it. It's 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 a very clear way of looking at things. I, I love sure. the story that you put out about Michael Jordan because you're giving him his stats. Uh, highlight that story for us on on cleaner because it's a it's a great sure. story. Yeah, you know, uh, in my first book, Relentless, mm -hmm. we talk about uh, coolers, closers, and cleaners. Right. Coolers are an individual. Coolers are an individual. Uh, they're uh, easy way to describe it. They're an individual that read. They read the stories. They're this individual that has every self help book you can possibly think of on the table. They listen to every podcast about self help. They live, follow every single guru on there, and they're jumping from one individual to the uh, to the other. They're they're average. They they 
They just, they love to read stories over and over and over and over again. Then you have the next level individual who are going to call the closers. Closers love to tell the stories. Those are those individuals that win now and then, but they love to tell you about the win they had way back in high school. Right. That, that's that, you know, all oh, the glory days and the good old times. And I'm all like, good old times. I'm trying to create new times and you're worried about good old times. They, they win, but when they lose, it's always somebody else's fault. They never take, they never take responsibility for that. And then you have the individual I call the cleaners. The cleaners are those individuals that have the ability to write and change their story. They don't let anybody else write their story for them. They don't let anybody else change their story. They're the individuals. They love to write their own stories the way they want to write them. So they live their lives the way they want to live. And don't we all want to be that person that has the ability to write our own story, to be able to, be able to star in our own lives and have right. the other individuals that we want around us to let them have different roles, allow them to shine in our own movie when we want them to be the lead person. And then when we want somebody else to be the lead person, it's, it's, our, it's our story. It's our life. I, the, the thing I tell about Michael Jordan in these things, and those, those individuals, they're always looking to improve. They're always looking to, to get better. They don't want to get acknowledged for things that they're supposed to do. And this is how the story goes with a stat sheet. So after every NBA game, there's stat sheets available to all the players. And the players, you know, on the stat sheets is how many points you scored, how many shots you took, how many rebounds, how many assists, how many fouls, free throws, how many minutes, everything that you, that, that you, uh, that you did during the game. So that's available to all, all the players. Well, we had a special stat sheet made that when he would come out of the locker room that I would hold and I would hand it to him. And this stat sheet only had turnovers, fouls, and missed free throws. Mm. All right. That was it. So, and, and I asked Michael, you know, what was the reason for this early on in his career? He goes, I was supposed to score points. I'm supposed to get rebounds. I'm supposed to make free throws. I'm supposed to make my teammates better. Those things I'm supposed to do. What are the things I'm not supposed to do? I'm not supposed to turn the ball over. I'm not supposed to miss free throws. I'm not supposed to make stupid fouls. So in order for me to get better and be able to change my story for the next game, don't look at the things that I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to do the things. Right. How can I get better at the things I, I didn't do well? How can I, you know, did I, make a, did I make a bad play, a turnover that didn't allow my team or that teammate to perform at the highest level? Did I miss a free throw under a, cru- under a crucial time? You know, did I commit a foul that I wasn't spo- supposed to do? So that's the thing. Everybody wants especially the way things are going now with social media. Everybody loves to post all the good stuff, everything that's Mm -hmm. going, you know, everything that goes on nice. You're going to lose and you're going to mess up more than you're actually going to win. So that's how you continue to change your story. Once you can acknowledge those things and understand that it is a part of winning, it is a part of society. You don't make make excuses for it. You, You acknowledge it, you figure it out, and you get better at it. Well, it... And Michael Jordan, I think he's really interesting uh, 
Oh, I haven't seen the new... I, I, I believe it's a documentary film that came out uh, about the him last, specifically. The Last Dance, yes. And I'm assuming you've, you've seen it. Uh, maybe you can I give know. us... <laughs> maybe you can give us your take on it. Is it good? Is it bad? Are you indifferent? Uh, it was... I, to me, well, <laughs> I'm going to be biased, obviously. Yeah, please. But yeah. Also, because I, I was fortunate... Listen, if you don't want to watch Michael and you enjoy this podcast, watch it for me because I'm actually in three episodes. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not in it as long as he is. But you know right. what? This was the interesting part about the whole thing. If you want to have that winning mindset... Yeah. If you want to have that winning mindset and understand how to win under the most extreme cases, whether you're a basketball fan, whether you're a Michael Jordan fan, just watch it for that reason. And I'll tell you why. All right. You know, think about this. All right. Before the start of the season, this is before the start of the season. And this is this is the narrative of the story. Ownership and general manager comes up to you and says, whether you win one game or you win the championship, nobody on this team is coming back. All the players are going to be replaced. The coach is going to be replaced. So we're, we're done. This is the, at the beginning of the season, not at the end. This is like, <laughs> this is the that they have at the beginning. Say, hey, that's why I was called the last dance. Say, this is, the f- coach Phil Jackson will not be retained. Michael, we're not resigning you. Scotty, we're not resigning. We're not, we, we're not signing this. We're starting all over. Now go out and win the championship. Now go out, now go out and win the championship. How many people do you know would just say, well, why? Why should, right. why should I go out? Why should I give all everything I've given and give it again to get something where I know, regardless of whether we get the end result or we don't get the end result, their end result is going to be the same. They're not going to change their minds. It doesn't matter. All right. Most people would have just said, you know what? Yeah. F- I'm not going to do this. And Michael said, watch me. You get you just created the most the most difficult scenario from a mental standpoint to win. Yeah. And I'm gonna prove to you and the rest of the world that we can still do this. Put yourself in that situation. Put yourself in that situation. And a lot of individuals have that. You know, the ability to turn, you know, everybody can perform at a high level when things are good. Mm-hmm. You all have that ability. Do you have the ability to perform excellent at a high level on bad days or when things are bad? Now imagine it being that way from the beginning of October all the way through the end of June and having to come out and perform at the highest level every single time. Also knowing that your best teammate is going to be out for 37 games because he decided not to have surgery until the beginning of the season instead of having it during the summer. And you still, still have to go out and win. Yeah, that, that, that's incredible to me. And I think the, the psychology component, one of the questions I had was, when you plug in or plugged in with these guys, uh, how much of a role and what, what did your kind of weekly cadence look like if you can disclose it as far as what were, what were the methods you were using? What were you kind of a 360 degrees as far as 
Were you talking about psychology and, and not only optimized physical performance, but their psychology and their diet? Were you plugged in 360 degrees or is just part of it? Uh, like how I took care, heavy? I took care of everything. Really? I took care of everything from the training to the psychology, to the, nutri- uh, to the nutrition, to the injury prevention, to the rehab, you name it. Wow. I, 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 took, I, took, I took care of it all because I was able to get inside a part of their lives that very few people weren't. They would discuss right. things with me that they wouldn't discuss with other individuals because I'm a no judge. I'm a no judge, judgmental guy. I don't judge. I don't right. judge. That wasn't my thing. My job was to help them get the uh, get the end result. And it was, you know, when we talked about things, we saw scenarios throughout their careers. I got to see how we handled different situations and things. So I plugged, I plugged all, I plugged all those things in. You knew, so you know how everybody says you have to know, you know, what buttons to push. I'm right. not a push button kind of person. And I'm not a person that raised the voices because now if I have to push their buttons, that means I have control. I don't teach people, uh, I don't teach others the ability to push somebody else's button. I teach individuals the ability to push their own buttons knowing when they need them. That way they have the power. That way they they have the control. So the ability to recognize certain behaviors, certain situations that allow them to excel certain ways, certain manu- certain mannerisms. You know, we get like an example I give in the new in the new book, and this is from, this is more from a physical and mental standpoint. You know, through my whole studies, through school and everything, I was taught that when an when an athlete is you know tired or needs to regain their uh, regain their breath, you know, put your hands in the air or put them top on put them on the top of your head because it, it it opens yeah. up your it opens up your lungs. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, well, if the person's already breathing hard. Their lungs are pretty much, their lungs are pretty, I mean, unless you have a medical condition, your lungs are pretty much open. So I was like, this just didn't make any, any, any sense to me. So I used to tell these individuals, well, listen, if you want to recover faster, let's not put your hand, let's not put your hands up in the air. Just bend down and grab your shorts for a little bit. Because I know when I was breathing hard, if I got something to lean up against, yeah, it may not yeah. look good, but allow me to recover just, 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 it allow me to recover faster. So I used to tell the individual something like that. I was like, just, just grab your shorts, bend over, grab your shorts. It created, it allowed their heart rate to drop fa- drop faster. It allowed them to have clarity more. So just those little things to be able to see the different nuances and understand not only what to think, but how to think, how to, be, how to still have my in- instincts that work different for each individual. What works for one client isn't necessarily going uh, to work for another client. Being able to adjust their diets on, on a regular basis, their, their, sleep, their sleep habits. I, I mean, I had to monitor everything. Another great story that I, I kind of tell is I was the original Fitbit. So I used to count... Michael Jordan's steps in every single game, every single game. So I used to go to the game. I couldn't do it at the game. I'd go back home for our young listeners. They're going to have no idea what I'm talking about here, but I had to record the game on a machine called a Betamax or a VHS. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, what the hell is he talking? Now, if really? you have one, it might be worth some money. If a collector, yeah. a collector actually buy. So I had to go home. I rewatched, I rewatched the game. 
All right, so I can count how many steps he took, whether they were left, whether they were right, you know, if he landed on one leg where he landed on, on the other. So paying attention to those things. So for the next for the next workout in the morning, I can understand if one side was worked more than the other, or if he was fatigued more on one side, whether we need to put emphasis on his left leg, right leg, all these different things. So paying attention to the details that just didn't matter to anybody else. And now I don't know how many decades later, everyone's counting the people, right. you know, you look at people getting around the water cooler or wherever they're at, talking about how many steps they had. And I just knew it was the right thing to do back then. That's, it's, it's so interesting. From, uh, from your perspective, you know, you've trained, uh, I mean, Charles Barkley, Dwayne Wade, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Uh, I heard Wayne Gretzky in one of your interviews too. You've worked with like Wayne and some of these other guys. Mm-hmm. Have you found, and this is like a novelty question, have you found that there was one guy that was too competitive? Like, <laughs> was he too, one person? Is there such thing as like being too competitive? Is there such no, a I, thing I, as I, being I, too I, aggressive? You know what? Well, aggressive and competitiveness is two, is two different things. If you can control the aggression, at least the more competitive, competitiveness. Right. But what I've always said is you take all the individuals, you, you take all the individuals that you know that have your like mindset that you know in the when you when you did when you were in your training when you were in the trenches when you're doing all those things they all sounded different but if you put them in the same room right. you put them in the same room and, and turn out all the lights and gave everybody the same voice and you asked and you asked the individuals a question you could they would answer the question the exact same way you would not know who you were talking who, who you were talking to. They would be the, like the same. So when you talk to a Wayne Gretzky, when, when, you know, when you talk to a Michael, when you talk to a Michael Phelps, you know, when you talk to Michael Jordan, you know, Dwayne, Charles, uh, all, 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 the, all these individuals, you, you, you hear them. When the cameras are not on, when the media right. is not in front of them, when they talk about competitiveness and they talk about winning, you can't tell who's saying what because their mindsets are so identical. They are so obsessed with getting that win that they speak the same, they speak the same language. Listen, is it for everyone? No, it's not, it's not for everyone, but they understand what's important. They understand what's important to them. They understand that, listen, in order to have that kind of competitive lifestyle in order to be that individual there are some things that are that are going to give you're not going to have you're not going to have as many friends you're not going to have as many people that are going to like you right. you're going to have more people that are talking behind your back you're probably not going to have a a, ba- a balanced life but their priority they know what their priorities are in their story they know what their priorities are when you guys go out on a mission when you guys are hey whatever you don't bring this person back or bring whatever whatever it is you're back you either get it done or you don't. No, I agree. I think one of the things I'm interested in is for, you know, you've dealt with so many different types of people and we have some younger, some uh, older, older people listen to the, the, the podcast. We've got a lot of veterans that listen to the podcast and a lot, the questions I get a lot and you touched on it in a, a few times and probably in both of your books. Uh, I can't remember exactly where, but prioritization of effort. So just because you're working hard doesn't mean that you're working hard on the right things. And I get this question all the time, which is I'm getting up early, I'm going to bed late, 
and I still can't get ahead. How do you, how do you do it? Right. And I'm like, ah, it's prioritization effort. And I think that's one of the things that you've touched on that I'd love to hear more about, which is how do you work with guys to start organizing time and effort as far as where they can bucket their energy? How are you, how are you working that system? Great, great, great question. So you know what I end up, what I end up doing with these individuals first, it's like, listen, we got to get rid of the unessentials. And everybody has so many unessentials in their lives. They don't even know, they don't recognize how they waste time with, right. their, with their energy, with their thoughts, with the people that they hang, uh, hang around with. We got to get rid of the unessentials. And it's easy. You know, it's funny. Every, it's so easy to add, add, add. Just think about people in their, in their closets, their contacts in their phone, their contacts in their phone. Everybody's about add, 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 add. And it's so difficult for us for to delete for us to delete. But in order to know what you want, in order to understand, to have more time, you got to start deleting the unessentials. And the one thing I always did with my individuals, I was like, listen, this is going to be extremely, this is going to be extremely important. Everyone out there manages time. Everybody right. loves to go out there and manage time. I don't teach, I taught these guys, don't manage time. I want you to manage focus. There's a huge difference between managing time and managing focus. When you manage focus, you get so much more done in that period of time. You get so much more done. You know, just think about it. If you start managing time all the time, if you're just managing time, time creates distractions. It really creates distractions. Focus, what does focus do? It blocks them out. It blocks them out. People that manage time, time tells you to stop. You're like, okay, I'm done. I, you know, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do this anymore. Focus tells you to keep going. You can keep going. You know, you have the individuals that get up early and they stay up late and, and they work hard. None of those things are going to guarantee success. Right. None of those things are going to guarantee success. All right? It's what you do in the hours that you up, how you manage that, how you manage that focus. How productive are you? Is it the first thing you do when you get up in the morning is take a, is take a picture of the clock to show everybody else that you're up at 440 AM or whatever, it, or whatever it may be. All right. That, you know, time is, time is external. Focus comes from within. It comes from within. So in order to be, to do those things, to continue to get, to continue to get ahead. And it's not going to be easy. None of, nobody said this is going to be easy. Listen, I, I hate this when you, when somebody, uh, when somebody, you, you send an email out to somebody, you send a call out to somebody and they're, and, oh, I, I, I'm busy. You know, I can't, I couldn't get back to you. I'm busy. Everybody's busy. Everybody who's trying to be successful, who's trying to get to, Get somewhere. We're, we're, all, we're all busy. What are you busy at? Are you busy at the right things or are you just busy being busy? All right. mm -hmm. Can you win at winning? Can you have success at success? Every single day you have the opportunity to win. It might be a small win, but is it getting you a step closer to that ultimate, whatever your ultimate win may be. That's what you need to do. Stop managing time and start managing focus. Because when you manage focus, you'll have so much more time. And once you manage focus, you will start to automatically delete the unessentials. They'll start to delete themselves. Right. So when you say manage focus, what? how are you... Uh, are, 
describe managing your focus a little bit, like the prioritization of effort. How are you? Unpack that for me. You know, so what happens is when I say manage, manage focus, we all have stuff that we have to get throughout, throughout the day. Listen, right. you, you look at the greatest athletes, the busiest CEOs, they still have family. They still have to deal with families. If they have children, they still have to deal with children. They still have to deal with coworkers, teammates, uh, scheduling stuff. They have to, you know, whether it's practice, whether they have to go to work, meetings, what, what, whatever it is. When you're in those things, you are in those things. Mm-hmm. All right. So when you're at, when you're like, if you're working out, you are working out. Right. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if you go to a gym, but there's more times now that people, they, they, they spend more time finding the right genre of music or sending a text out. <laughs> And, and, you know, and they tell you, oh man, I was in the gym for three hours. I had an, no, you weren't. You're going to get done the same stuff done in four, in 45 minutes with these people that do a set and they sit on a machine and they get on the phone. Those people are, those individuals are the ones that talk about, I, I never have, I never have enough time. Well, because you're not in that moment. If you're working out, be in that moment. If you're in the, if you're the time you're spending with your kids, be in that moment. If you're, um, if you're with your significant other, be in the moment. If you're in that meeting, be in that meeting. Just don't mm. show up at that meeting. Be in that meeting. If you're focused in on your work, writing a book, whatever it, whatever, whatever it may be, you know, you stay, be in that moment. You, you got, you know, you, you are an expert at this. You know, you were trained in this. You know, you didn't have the ability. You, you could not lose your focus in your training and the stuff that, that you were doing. You had to be laser focused. You had to be laser focused. And you were taught, you were taught how to focus. People try, you know, it's funny, you'll tell an individual, man, man you need to focus more. Right? Well, that doesn't tell me how to focus more. Right. You know, to me, focus is a muscle. It's just like anything else. You can practice on being in the moment a little bit more. And that doesn't mean just trying to stay, trying to do something for an hour straight to say you proved it. Being able to stay focused means you can stay focused, handle a distraction, and then jump back to focus. You have to be able to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You just can't stay in that distraction for an extended period of time because it is, it is going to happen. You know, your phone's going to go off. Kids are going to come knocking on the doors. You know, something's going to show up at work, something that's unexpected. Do you have the ability to handle those things and get back to and get back to the task that's at that's at hand again? That's how that's how you do it. Be present. Be present in those moments. And I physically, mentally, emotionally, every single possible way that you can you can be. Just don't be there. And it's it's. It's uh, it's funny because I've had this conversation with uh, with a few people, and I'm talking about the same things. I'm using uh, different language in order to describe this. So I talk about uh, time triage, right? Which is what I'm doing with time triage for in describing it to people is you you have to put more effort into the things that will have more life, and you have to kill the things that are going to die. You, I mean, you, and when I say you just got to leave them alone, they're, if they're not going to go anywhere. You can't put any more effort in them. You got to move on with your life and double down on the things that are going to live. That's the exact same thing in a different language, different right. words. Exact, exact same thing. All right. You, you can spin it any way you want. The, res, the end result is the same. 
Mm-hmm. No, you, you, I actually love your, I love your description of it. I, I, I love your description of it. Same, same way. Same way. And I have to, so I've had to continue it, it, And now, now I'm going to have your, your books as reference material. So I'll be able to use them in future contexts and conversation. I'll be like, mm-hmm. actually, I had a conversation with them. So as I, have, as I pull them out and give them to people, I'll be like, oh, we had a conversation. You're going to have to listen to that. But I, I talk about this a lot with white noise, time triage, because there's, there's all these distractions. So it's social assimilation. I want to be liked. I want to be accepted. One of the best things that I did in my life 20 plus years ago was I said, I don't give a fuck what people think of me anymore. I'm just going to go be me. It's like, it's a freeing. It's truly just, it's freeing. It's like, oh, I'm just going to be me. I'm kind of an asshole, but I like to have a lot of fun. That's just who I am. But if you don't care, you don't care if you piss people off because you're not placating to their conversations anymore either. You know, that. how many people do you know actually are themselves? You know, it's how many people, you know, and I love hanging around with people that know exactly who they are. You know, you know exactly what you're going to get. You know exactly what they're going to say. It doesn't surprise you. And you can, and you can be your own self. One of the most important things is knowing exactly who you are and being free to be that individual. In the book, in the winning, I say, I talk about flexing the, you know, IDGAF muscle. You know, I don't give a fuck muscle. (laughs) But you have to earn the right to do that. You have to earn the, a lot of people flex that muscle and they don't have, they haven't had, you know, they haven't done the work. They've had no success. They haven't done anything and they just want to, they want to flex, they want to flex that muscle. And the other thing is, you know, in order to be that person, you have to master the word no. Right. It's very simple. You just no. have to master the word no. It, 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 it's one of the listen. most important words in the English vocabulary, actually. No, uh, unbe- I can't do unbelievable. it. Yeah. yeah, and it need, and it needs no and it needs no ex, it needs no explanation. You know, I it's everybody wants you to be honest until you're honest with them. Right. You know, everybody wants you to tell them the truth until you tell them the truth. And what happens when you tell people the truth? You would assume that it would lead to more productivity. The person would understand. What does it do? It usually leads to more emotions. Then that individual doesn't like you anymore. Then they go find somebody else that's going to give them the answer that they want to hear, then they get, then they're, then they're upset at themselves a year later because they're no farther along than five years later. They'll run into you somewhere and be like, you know what? You're the only person that told me what I should have done and blah, blah, blah. Well, you just wasted, you just wasted five, you just wasted five years. Accept who you are, accept your flaws. Your flaws are some of your, your flaws are your gifts. Your flaws allow you to do special things. Your, your craziness allows you to be different than anybody else. Being different being unique because that's who you are. Don't be different and unique just to be different and unique. Be that different and unique person because it allows you to have the life you want to have. It allows you to attract the people you want to have. It allows you to be you. It allows you to have fun and allows you to win. I couldn't agree more. Where where you're at now, because you're do you still live in Chicago or the Chicago still area? In, yes. Still in Chicago. Uh Throughout the last few years, I, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions here that I wrote down, which was who used, when you're looking at inspirational people or inspirational acts, did you have people that you were looking up to when you were younger, that you were reading their story or interfacing with them in some way that you were, you were truly inspired wanting to be like them? Or was it just basically like, this is who I am, so I'm going to be, 
I, I don't give a shit about uh, other people. You know, I, I, I listen. I, I, I've, I, I have everybody at some point when you're young and, and mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you can be influenced by others. You know, it's hard not to. It, it's hard not to to go to individual and say, "Hey, I don't give a shit what they don't what they say." <laughs> right. it, it is. You know, you got how many how many you know social media gurus do you hear repeating that over and over again? Right. It, it, it is difficult. It is difficult. But once you understand that their opinion of you, you know, doesn't really matter. It's not going to change. It's not going to change your outcome. It, it's going to affect you negatively more than it, it than it is going to positive. Then you start to understand that, hey, how, how freeing it is. So, you know, I was the individual. I went to a pu- public school system, you know. So I looked at the role models. I, I didn't, I wasn't at, we didn't have, I didn't come from a, you know, a very affluent family. Listen, my parents did the best they could. They provided for, they provided for, they provided for my brother and myself. We had, you know, we had everything we needed. We didn't have everything that we wanted. I got to see how hard they, how hard they worked. Yeah, this might be, you know, a typical answer that everybody's going to say, but, you know, my parents are the people that influenced me the most. You know, you get people that always say, oh, you know what, listen, I came from, you know, they love to tell you their their story about how hard their upbringing was. Listen, I had a tough upbringing because my parents, the discipline that they had, you know, they wouldn't put up for bull. They wouldn't put up for bullshit. They were they were structured. They wanted me to put that way. That's why my upbringing was hard and disciplined. It wasn't hard and disciplined because of my environment or anything anything of that sort. Yeah, did my brother and I have to share a room for a very very long time? Yeah, we 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 did all the way all the way until we were both both in high, we were both in high school but you know we we just we think we figured we figured stuff out and then i got to see other individuals through through society that won and that didn't make that didn't make excuses when they when they lost on when they lost i saw them overcome things i saw the individuals that 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 stood out for what they what they believed in what they what they knew what they knew was right those are the individuals that i i admire the most the people that just like hey the ones that can recognize when they win, but also hold themselves accountable for when they didn't win or when they lost or when they messed up. They didn't make excuses. And I said, that's the individual I want to be. Own up when you met, when you mess something up. Don't blame it on anybody else. Say, hey, listen, I effed up. Now go fix it. Right. Go, go, go fix it. You know how many people say that tell you sorry? You know, sorry's not, sorry doesn't fix anything. Sorry is just a word. What comes after the sorry? What are the actions that you're actually going to do? Those are the people that I that I look up to that that win, and also when they mess up, they they own up to it. Have there been clients that you've had kind of a, a light bulb moments with uh, in the context of, of they taught you more than? What you feel all, like you're you're giving them? All, all of them, every really? every single one. You know, I'm for, you know I'm a, an individual that you know I go by the old old adage. I said, listen, you're born you're born with two ears and one mouth, so that means you listen twice as much as you talk. So I I always let those I let them listen. I you know I got a chance to see, you know, Michael and I are relatively close in the same age, and I got a chance to see an individual who. And this was before the social media days right. where every move he did, everything he said was scrutinized, yeah. everything he did in his person. And just to watch how he handled things and the pressure and the different circumstances and so forth, just to be able to be a part of that 
and learn from not only him, but the individuals around, around him, you know, the, secu- the security detail, his financial people, his agents, all those individuals. And, and just to get to see that, that environment to watch an individual who be, not, not became a legend, who became an icon and the process mm-hmm. that it took to become an icon, not only the good, but the bad. So I have, a, you know, and I, I say this in a book winning, I say, I have, a, I have a very bad habit. And people all say, what's that bad habit? I stare. I stare. <laughs> all right. Now, I don't stare to be rude. That's right. the way I learn. That, you know, it, remember, I, I get so focused on something or, 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 you know, an object or an individual right. or so forth that I start to stare at them because I want to watch their mannerisms. I want to, I, I just become totally mute. I want to hear what they say how they react, their body language. So that ability, in, when I was working with, uh, with Michael and being able to watch and like really watch these individuals, I learned so, I learned so much from that. I learned so much from, those, from the, just being having that ability. Remember what I said earlier about everybody said that's a flaw of mine? Yeah, it is a flaw of mine, but it's also allowed me to be in the place that I'm at. When you, you've been able to see people in the 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 most paramount uh, pressure situations in in sports, like you've been able to watch them, they've been your clients. Compartmentalizing emotion, you touched on that a little bit, uh, but but tell me a little bit more about how important that can be to success or winning, as far as being able to compartmentalize your emotion and 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 literally go out and put it. Fucking points on the board. This is, you know what? This is. I'm glad you asked that question because I have a chapter in this book called "Winning Isn't Heartless, But You Use Your Heart Less," meaning your mind has to be stronger than your feelings. Your mind has to be stronger than your feelings. You know, when you're going, when you're going through, when you're going through all all those things, just think about it. When you can't get up in the morning. You know, you have, well, I shouldn't say, let me rephrase that. Not you. When you know other people that can't get up in the morning, all right? Yeah. What's keeping them in bed? Their feelings are keeping them in bed. You know, they're yeah. like, oh, man, I had a bad day yesterday, or I don't want to get up. I'm not feeling good. I had too much to drink. Whatever, whatever, whatever it may be. Your mind tells you to get up. Your mind tells you to get up. Your feelings make you overthink everything. Right. You know, how many people, if you're in, you're in a, your training did not allow you to overthink. If you overthink, you lost. You lost. You lost. Think about all my sports figures. You know, they didn't, they, they never overthought. They did not overthink. You know what? Because feelings make you overthink. Your mind tells you to make decisions. And people have such a hard time making decisions. They have the hardest time making decisions because they let their feelings get in the way. And think about all the poor decisions you've made in your life. Majority of those feelings, majority of those decisions were made when your feelings were stronger than your mind. Even your mind told you, ah, this is what I, this is what I need to do. You went with your feelings. All right. Think about when you go through a disappointment, your feelings hold on to that disappointment. They hold on. Your mind tells you how to, Hey, your mind tells you, to handle those disappointments and handle those failures and to move on and to move on. 
And my greatest, one of the things I used to tell all my, I tell my athletes, and I still tell individuals now, you hear this in sports, you hear this, all, you know, play with emotion, play with emotion. Don't play with emotion. Don't live your life with emotions. Perform and live it with energy. When you live it with energy, all right, you get to understand, a, you get to have a better relationship with your emotions because you're not allowing your emotions to control your energy. When you perform with energy, you get to control, you, you have control over your emotions. When you're, when you're performing with emotions, your emotions have control over you. No, that I, I completely agree. I, I've, I've, uh, I talk a lot or I've talked inside the company. And when I say talking a lot, when we're inside the company, we, we've got about 600 people here, give or take that, that work here. And, you know, we talk about being able to, uh, compartmentalize, focus on your work. Uh, it, and really, when, when I say it's like, you have to be sociopathic when it comes to your success, right? When you're pursuing an, an end objective and the success criteria is clearly outlined, that is the mission. So when we talk about it in the military, it's mission focus. Your goals, your objectives, your mission focus, nothing else exists in life. Nothing, nothing else. exists in life. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter if you're cold, if you're tired, if you're hungry, if you've only slept two hours and you haven't eaten in two days. It doesn't matter. There's a mission and you have to go through mission completion. Moving through mission completion means that you've also had mission success. Uh, I've, I've found this, in, especially in the special operations community. Guys, are, they are maniacal about completing mission success because they've just beaten that into them through selection yes. and physical activity. Like You complete mission. Uh, I'm interested to find how important is that in the in the in the professional sports arena? Are they talking a lot? Are coaches and players are they talking about mission success, winning, and how important it is? Are they just drilling that stuff in on a regular basis? Is it still happening today? Has it changed at all since you've been it's, involved it's in changed, this? It's, it's changed tremendously now. Really, it, it, it really, it really, ha- it really has. And, and hasn't changed for the, and it hasn't changed for the better. It's left mm. more for the, it's left more to the individual now. And you'll see, you know, in professional, in professional sports, you'll see players deciding to play when they want to play. Right. Deciding, you know, I, you know what, I need a day off or, or, you know, I, I'm not going to give the, I'm not going to give the best effort here, or I don't like this location here. I want to go play over here with my buddy, with my buddy over here. The accountability and about mission completement and, and that laser focus now, it, it, it's not its not what it used to be. Now, you do still see it in some individuals. It still does exist, but not, not, what, it, not what, it used, what it used to be. Uh, people, there's so, many, there's, there's so many more distractions out there that allow these individuals to focus in on different things and not care as much. And there's so much money out there mm. now for performing at a average level instead of performing at an at an except at an exception at an exceptional level. So like I said earlier, what are you what are you doing what are you doing this for? Are you doing it for the payday? Are you doing it for the glory? Are you or are you doing it for what what satisfaction you're gonna get get inside? Listen, it's nice to have the financial security. Listen it's a part of success. We all we all want to have those right. things to make things easy to make things easy. But that isn't that isn't what the ultimate goal is. If you do everything you're supposed to do, 
those things will come. They will come. And now what's happening is the language of winning has changed. It's become, it's become a little bit, it's become a little bit softer. It's become less, it's less accountability as a team and more accountability on the self. And you know what? Self-accountability, when you leave that to individuals, it changes on a, it changes on a, on a day, on a daily basis. Everybody loves to talk about, you know, the training, like individuals like yourself, the special ops individuals that they, they go through the mindset. And I try to tell individuals, listen, it's not a mindset. It's a lifestyle, right? It's a, it's a, and that's what you're talking about. It, it's a life, it's a lifestyle. It doesn't matter whether, like you said, whether you sleep two hours a day, what's going on. Everyone is going through something that nobody knows nothing about. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all going, everybody's, I don't care who you are in this world, how much money you have, how much money, success you have, how much fame you have. Everybody's, everybody at some point in their life is going through family, is going through personal issues, going maybe a health issue at some point, dealing with something with you, you know, with your kids, uh, outside friends, everybody is dealing with something. It's those, it's those individuals that what you said that can, you know, put them in a compartment and say, listen, during the time when I'm focused in on this and I'm doing that, that stuff, I don't bring, I don't bring it. I don't bring it. And you, you can see your best workers and your best individuals and your best, you know, your best leaders. They know how to block those distractions out. Mm-hmm. They know how to put those things off to the side so they can do the task at hand that's necessary and be in those moments over and over again. It's not left. It's not left to the team anymore. It's become more of an individual. It's become more of an individual thing. And it reminds me of that that uh, story. I think you 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 told on uh, on another podcast. I forget which one. You're talking about how uh, Michael Jordan got the flu here in Utah, mm-hmm. and he was like, "No, I got to show up. I got I, I got to I got to put out the effort. Fans are here." Like it's, it's, it's game time. Like I got to go. It's it's game time. I got, you know, the the whole story about that was, he was just like, he he goes, he goes, just get me on my feet. Yeah. He goes, just get me on my feet. He goes, he goes, just get me on my feet. That he goes, I'll do the rest. Just that's all. He goes, that, that was, that was, that was our job. That was the, the team that the, the, the physicians, the trainers and myself that were involved in, in that mission. He, all our job was just get him. He was curled up in a ball. He wasn't fe- He wasn't feeling good. You know, flu, food poisoning, whatever it was, is it was just like, just get me on my feet. He goes, hey, if you get me on my feet, he goes, I'll, I'll do the rest. And it's exactly what you said. I have a game not to finish, not to play. I have a game to win. Because listen, if you're gonna play, you might as well win. If you're gonna play, you might as well win. If you're gonna finish something, you might as well, you might as well, you might as well go out there and win and win at it. And that was our job. Just get him on his feet and we knew he would do the rest. Well, and as a guy that grew up uh, with a poster of uh, Michael Jordan above his bed and, you know, as a kid, with, you know, with the two basketballs, that, oh, that wings, yes. the iconic <laughs> wings poster, yes. uh, you know, he, uh, you know, growing up and then kind of just watching how that unfolded and then looking at it now as an adult and seeing how incredible of an athlete that guy really was the amount of discipline and perseverance he took, uh, you know, I, I did want to fold back, not to just talk about, you know, Michael Jordan, but fold back to 
the letters, the story about how it all started for you uh, in Chicago, the letters, because I think this is one of, I laughed when you, when you told it, I thought it was super funny, but I think people will take a lot out of it. Sure. So I was like, I wanted, I was done. I always knew what I wanted to do. I said, I was going to train professional athletes, even though that, that career never even existed when right. I decided to do it. So I went, I went to, like I said, I went earlier in the, in the, in the interview, I have a master's degree in exercise science. So after I graduated, I took a job at a local health club. And this was in the early, in the middle eighties, the minimum wage was $3.35. That was a minimum, that was a minimum wage back then. Yeah. All right. So if anybody complains about the minimum wage now, let me tell you what it was, what it was back, what it was back then. All right. And it was just like, all right, you finished school. And I was a parent's like, okay, you're not going to sit at home. You got to go, you got to go work. You got to go figure this out. So I took a job at a local, I took a job at a local health club, you know, so I could work on my craft. I was like, so I can start training other individuals. I knew I was going to be training professional athletes at a, at a health club. I knew that wasn't going to happen. But I started working with anybody that wanted to get in better shape, recreational athletes. And then I saw a little thing in a newspaper that said, hey, my, Michael Jordan was tired of taking a physical abuse with the Detroit Pistons and he wanted, he wanted to get stronger. I was like, okay, you know, light bulb moment. Right. I said, let me write. I said, now remember, this was before emails, before yeah. text, uh, before any of that stuff. So I, I literally, there was 14, there's 15 players on an NBA roster. I said, I'm going to handwrite 14 letters. I, I got the local newspaper and I got a list of all the players that were on the team. I knew majority of them by name, but I said, let me just double check. All right. So I literally wrote the, I wrote letters to 14 players. The only person I didn't write a letter to was Michael Jordan, even though the article was about him. I was like, okay, there's no way he's going to work with an individual who's never worked with a professional athlete before. But if I could show results on some of these other players, maybe he'll take notice and I might have a chance to work with him down the line. So I send those letters out and, you know, you have one address. They all show up at the practice facility and somebody takes the letters and they put them in everybody's locker along with everybody else's fan mail. And right. the players decide whether they're going to throw them out or they're going to read them. So somebody obviously opened up this letter and they left it in one of their lockers. I don't know whose locker it was. So Michael actually walked by this locker and saw this letter and and pulled it out of the locker and read it. And something in the letter must have triggered something in his mind or he was so pissed off that he didn't get a letter. He was like, <laughs> he was like well, what does this guy think? I'm not good enough? I, I don't know the story. So he gave it to the team trainer, athletic trainer and the team physician at the time and said, hey, find out what this guy's about. So they called me up and, you know, they asked, hey, they said, somebody's received your letter and they didn't tell me who it was. And they're like, you know, He's interested in, in in maybe hiring your services. I said, okay, great. So they said, can we meet? So I met, I literally met with those two individuals back and forth for three months. The, the, the drilling and grilling they gave me in those three months was way more extensive than I, in my, in my whole collegiate, my whole collegiate years. Then after three months, they're like, okay, here, listen, here's the address. We want you to go meet this client. We want you to go meet the client. They didn't tell me who it was. I still don't know who it was. <laughs> So they give me an address. I show up at this person's house. I ring the doorbell once, ring it twice, ring it third time. Yes, this was before Michael Jordan had the big gated house and all that right. stuff. You could just go up to the house and ring the doorbell. Third ring, he opens up the, uh, someone opens up the door and it's Michael Jordan. And it's Michael Jordan. 
I'm wearing Converse gym shoes at the time too. Like, <laughs> you know, like everybody knows Michael's loyalty, loyalty yeah. to the brand. So he just looked at my shoes. I literally took them off. We went in the house. I spoke to him for about 45 minutes, explained my philosophy to him, told him what I could possibly do. And I did tell him, I said, Michael, I said, listen, I've never worked with a professional athlete. I said, I've never worked with a professional athlete. I said, I'm never going to play professional basketball. So I said, if that's an issue, then you need to go find you need to go find somebody else. And he said, no. He goes, you know, explain to me what your thoughts are, what your process is, how you want to go about details. And I explained everything to him. And it was completely different than what everybody else had told him. You know, mm-hmm. everybody else was just, let's add this muscle. Let's make you big. Let's make you bulkier. I was right. like, no, we need, to, we need to do these other things first. And he goes, you know what? This doesn't sound right. And I said, well, it doesn't get any righter. And he goes, I'll give you 30 days. He goes, I'll give you 30 days. 30 days turned into 15 years. It turned into, into off of that, off of that, off of that one letter. Off of that, off of that one letter, off of that one letter and off of an individual giving me a chance and me in those 30 days producing, not only producing the results, but over delivering everything that I promised. Do you remember how stressed out were you on that first 30 days? Because obviously you, know, you weren't. I, I, I was so focused. I wasn't stressed because yeah. if I was stressed, I would have screwed up. Right. I, I was screwed. I, I was. I, I would have screwed. You know, about your back. Listen. No. No. No wife. No girlfriend. No kids. No nothing back there. Two. Two healthy. Two healthy parents. So I didn't have. Right. So this. This was. This was. This was my focus. You know, it wasn't stress. It was pressure. It was right. pressure. But you know, a pressure is a privilege, and yeah. the pressure was, hey. I have an individual that believes in me. I have a person, Michael Jordan, who believes in me. All right. If he believes in me, why shouldn't I believe in myself? So pressure is a privilege. So pressure, pressure, what, I, what do I say about this? Listen, pressure shows who you are and who you're not, but it also shows who you can become. And during those 30 days, that pressure showed me who I can become because my obligation to myself was greater than anybody else's obligation to me. I mean, yeah, did, I didn't go out and tell anybody. You know, I didn't tell right. everybody, hey, I'm working with Michael Jordan. I didn't want to hear all this thing. I didn't want to have people say, oh my God, give me an autograph, give me tickets, give me shoes, give me this right. or so. I kept it very quiet. I did what I needed to do. I thought I was laser focused during, you know, I, I won't say during that time. I'm always an individual that's majority of the time la- labor, uh, la- laser focused. I knew this was an opportunity. I knew that if I produced those results, it was literally, it could possibly be life-changing. So I, I, I took the pressure in every single day. You know, what is stress? Stress is pressure that we don't decide, that we don't deal with. Mm. That's, to me, that's what stress is. You, you get pressure, you get pressure situations every single day. And if you use them, you learn how to get better. You become more productive. You become sharper. You know, your edges, your edges become, you know, the way they're supposed to be. If you don't deal with pressure every single day, it mounts every single day and it turns into stress. Stress mm. is just pressure you refuse to deal with. Yeah, that's good. That's, uh, that's really good. So what, what's your feeling on luck? Does, does luck, luck exist? Luck to me... <laughs> 
you know what? I'm not a lot. You listen, can you? I'm sure there's people that have systems that go in right. to, to win the lottery and all that other stuff. But to right. me, luck is, you know, you know, when preparation and opportunity meet. I think everybody right. has a chance to have that situation where mm-hmm. something comes comes across. You know, here's the thing. You know you've won and you know you've you've beaten your competition when everybody calls you lucky. Right. When they say, oh, he he or she is just lucky because what they see is they only see the end result. They don't see all the other stuff you did to put yourself in a position to succeed. And now your success is everybody else's. Oh, they got they got lucky. Yeah, you may have you may have gotten more luckier than that other person because you were in the right place at the right time, but you had the right knowledge and you had the right mindset and you and you had the right things to say and you had the right results to produce. To me, that's luck. Well, I agree. Uh, and that kind of leads me to, you've got three books, your newest one's out. The f- like the first one, why, why did you start writing your books to begin with? Like, Why did you begin that? The journey of writing books. What was the main objective that you were trying to accomplish? Well, you know what? Though? It was just like there's so much to me. Yeah. There was so much misinformation out there. There's mm-hmm. so much mis. Everything's about the rah rah and the sprinkles and the cupcakes and the icing and all that other all that other stuff. Nobody wants to talk about the stuff that in that's in between those things. How to get how to get to the streamers? How to get to the confetti? How to all the things that it takes to have those thirty seconds on the podium, mm. all right? Or to have somebody clapping for you at the end of a concert or whatever it may be, end of a Super Bowl. Nobody wants to talk about the everything that takes you that that unforgiving race, that relentless attitude, that mindset that you have to take. And everybody was talking about the same cliches over and over again. You know, you got to want it. You got to crush it. Let's go. Well, where are we going? Right. Where are you? Where, you know, you, like you said, you have a mission, you, you have a mission statement of where your company is going and everybody knows what it is. All right. So let's go is not an answer. And every, you know, it, it's funny. Everybody puts out these motivation books because they sell. Everybody pulls up, you know, five easy steps. 10 steps to this, you know, people will always ask you, if you could tell me what was the one thing in your training, it wasn't one thing. It's this endless one things that allowed me to become this individual. And those are the myths that I wanted to put to the side and say, hey, this is what the most competitive individuals, the greatest winners that that I've known, that I've dealt with, this is how they think. This is what they go through. They're not perfect. This is what this is what it takes. This is the language they uh, they speak. This is how they deal with situations. These are the ups and downs with the families. Here's the truth of what I know of what it takes to have that winning mindset, have that relentless ability to win over and over again. So, in your last book, uh, and you've got relentless, you've got winning. And now your last one, what's, what's the name this, of that winning one? Is the, winning, winning is, is the last one. Winning, okay. Yes, winning is this one now. Yes, that's the, one, that's the one that just came out, came out two weeks ago. And right. again, that's, about, that's, the, that's, the lane, that's the unforgiving race. Uh, that's the unforgiving race to winning. And I just wanted to put like, hey, this is what, this is what winning is about. 
This is what it's about. When you when I talked to all the different Olympians, I talked to all the different CEOs, I talked to all the yeah. different people that have won at the highest level. This was their stories. This is what they told me. This was their mindset. This is what I knew through all my experiences and my studies and everything. This is the truth about winning. And you know what you always say? You and I, listen, we're the family members that nobody wants in their family, but everybody <laughs> needs. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's it's very true. I think my family is always like, well, yeah, Evan's my brother. They're proud of it until he get then until I come up for uh for for Christmas. Then they're like, right. <laughs> man, <laughs> that that guy's you know talking to me about fried food and and uh, whether or not I'm drinking you know hard cola or something all the time yeah. and. <laughs> Uh, Tim, I, I appreciate everything you've done for, for me over the last hour. Uh, you know, I think one more stump, where can people find you? Uh, where are your books? Where can they get those? Cause I think, uh, these are great books, guys. This, this is a, thank you very much. A, I appreciate it. He has you a wealth know. of knowledge. So like go out and grab one of these because they're, they're great books. Like he's done other podcasts out there. Uh, he's done them with other CEOs and other guys. He's got a ton of really great information. So where can they find you? Where can they get your books? Listen, I always tell people I'm one of the easiest people to find. My website is timgrover.com. My Instagram is at timgrover. The book is, you can get the book off of our website. You can get it from any place where there's books are sold, you know, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and it's available in all forms. It's available in audio. It's available in hardcover. It's available in uh, Kindle. You name it. It's available. Did you read it for the Audible for the audiobook? Did I read actually, part of. I read part of it for the. I read part of it for the Audible. I did. Okay. I didn't read all of it. I read part of it. We wanted to do something a little bit unique with it. Well, I would encourage everybody go out and check it out. Uh, great guy, wealth of knowledge. Uh, and now I got to go watch the Michael Jordan documentary based on your recommendation. I appreciate it, Tim. All right, Evan. Take care. Thank you, my hey, friend. Thank you. Much appreciate it. 